Hi, I'm Phil Trethaway. Hi, I'm Serena Joel. You're listening to the Creativity Speaks podcast, where Serena and I explore the stories of Sacramento's creative community. Serena has produced and marketed some of your favorite Sacramento events. And Phil is the co-founder of Creativity Plus and creative director of Position Interactive, a digital design agency. Each season of Creativity Speaks focuses on a different theme. This quarter, we are focusing on the theme of community. Thanks for listening. We hope these discussions are enlightening, inspiring, and spark a few conversations in your home and your workplace. If you're interested in being a sponsor of this podcast, email us at creativityplus, that's P-L-U-S, Sacramento, at gmail.com. Welcome to another episode of Creativity Speaks. Today, we are joined by Salvin Chahal, a Sacramento native driven by the immigrant hustle. He's a storyteller, poet, producer, and an advocate for people of color from marginalized communities. He's authentically himself and driven by his faith. Salvin, thanks so much for joining us today. I'd love to start off with where it all began, your childhood. Can you briefly describe what growing up in South Sac was like? Yes, first off, I appreciate everyone here. It's a pleasure being here. You know, and I, I'm someone who grew up in a Punjabi Sikh household. You know, my parents are from Fiji, grandparents from Punjab, and, you know, grew up in South Sacramento, California, you know, right off Florin in 29th. And, you know, I'm someone who was just used to a lot of dualities in, in my upbringing. You know, uh, when my cousins lived, it was, you know, bars on the windows, fences around every home. And I thought I lived in a gated community, you know, the way it looked. And it wasn't until, you know, I went to a school in a nicer area and, it, you know, my father and I were cutting grass and cleaning schools in, you know, quote unquote, nicer areas that I realized that my reality was different from those who live about 15, 20 minutes away from me, just right all the way down Thorn Road towards Greenhaven. And, you know, it, it was something that I was always just questioning. You know, I was someone who at the same time I was seeing these things, I was also listening to a lot of hip hop music which described a lot of the realities I was seeing around me from, you know, how to be a, you know, just young man in America, a young person of color in America, as well as just growing up in a lower socioeconomic community. So I was always caught between, you know, I was too hood for the the general South Asian individual, but I was also too, you know, Punjab being South Asian for, for my black and brown friends. So never really having a, you know, place to fit in up until I was 19, 20 years old. So, you know, I think a lot of what I experience is not a norm for people who look like me or who come from my, you know, cultural background. So it always has been important to me to kind of inform folks on both sides about, you know, one another. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. You've accomplished a lot for your young age. If you came from any any neighborhood, you've accomplished a lot as a champion slam poet, event producer, published author, putting on showcases South by Southwest, which I'm super jealous of, and now entering the world of film and TV. What advice do you have for young listeners, young creatives who are kind of afraid to try something new? Um, a few things, you know, one, you know, in life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate, you know, you get what you sacrifice. And I feel like aside from like the, the mentors and, and the, the guidance and the people who put me in positions, the only thing that really worked out was, kind of leaning into my fears and, and embodying the work that I want to do. You know, I knew that if I wanted to become a writer, I had to write. I had to 
let go of my idea of what I felt like my work needs to be and just allow it to just kind of flow free. And I feel like if you come from a, a community similar to mine, the only thing we have in our life is risk. All we can do is take risk because anything else is just subjecting ourselves to the circumstances of everybody else, you know, around us. I was someone who, without even knowing it, I was sacrificing a lot of things. I wasn't confiding in a lot of vices and self-medicating and going out with my friends. You know, I had to kind of let go of the relationships I had with some of my friends and family members because they just wanted to go out and have a good time because I felt like I was always one piece of artwork or content away from having the life that I want to live. And I knew that because there were times where I decided not to go to a party or hang out with my friends and just create. and it did a lot more for like my supporters and myself in ways that I would have never imagined, which always had me thinking, what would I do if every day I just kind of committed to becoming like 1% better if I wrote or I created? And we'd be surprised how giving life is when you also give something to the lives of other people. You know, so I have to ask this. So coming from a Sikh Punjabi household as well, and knowing that you were going to pursue this creative career path, how did your parents feel about that? Did they approve of it? Yeah, you know, at first, <laughs> so funny. At first, you know, you know, my work started initially becoming popular, like on the site called Tumblr. It was, just, you know, I had a video. I was talking about things that were happening to, you know, Punjabi Sikh folks in, in the eighties, and you know, it's doing really well. Everyone's celebrating me, it's getting thousands of views, you know, and I'm super excited about it. And then my parents see me in the backyard one day, and they're like, "What the heck is this? Like, what are you doing?" You know, and I was someone who was on the slam poetry team to represent Sacramento, like my dream stage to go represent Sacramento at Brave New Voices, International Poetry Slam, you know, hosted by Common. It's in Chicago. I'm like, hey mom, guess what? I'm gonna go to Chicago to go do poetry. And they're like, no, you're not, you know? They were they were really, you know, keen on like, you know, we came here to to do a lot of things and you I'm seventeen years old talking about the issues that people are talking about now these socio-political issues, you know, and my parents, you know, who work for the state, they were like, not, you're not doing any of that. You're about to ruin your career, you know? So it went from them not really coming out to my shows and me not listening to them and doing what I do best and still performing, still producing shows, doing what I have to do to put myself in position. And then, you know, one, one time they, they were really curious and they came out to, you know, one of my shows and seen that there were a lot of people there and that I had this demanding stage presence that, you know, people really listen. And what I had to say and how I performed was really, whether they understood it all the way or not, you know, the literary devices, they appreciated it for what it was. And, you know, we went from, you know, our parents talking about all these concerns and issues they had, you know, before to my mom telling me last night, yeah, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be you. Um, because they, they realize how much I'm willing to sacrifice and suffer for, for us to be represented, you know, well and properly. So I do it for people like my parents and they see that and I think they, they appreciate that someone's trying to do it. How has poetry changed your life? Um, poetry has changed my life because not only has it been allowing me to take ownership of my experiences and my authenticity and who I really am, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you want to call it, I was able to really find like my soul circle as well. I feel like, you know, the life I have has come from my ability to to write well, whatever that means, you know, and, you know, without even knowing it, through studying, through history and stuff like that, you know, 
folks like Serena and I, we come from a lineage of people who are poets, who are warriors, who, you know, stay in their ground, who are all about liberating those around them, you know, so I've performed at universities that wouldn't have accepted me because of my GPA, you know, went to, you know, places like South by Southwest and, and was able to create the same impact that I was longing for as like a young kid, you know, so I feel like with poetry, it's been able to connect with the community I've been longing for since I was a kid. And it's been allowing me to not just teach and educate those around me and allow people to really tune into a more deeper emotional part of themselves. It's also allowed me to really, you know, just live the life that I want. You know, I think kind of, you know, no pun intended, just kind of wrote my life into existence. So the first time I met you was at a People of Sacramento event. And immediately after that, I started following you on social media. And you are literally the only person in Sacramento who's also Sikh and Punjabi who spoke about political issues, who I would read your post. I'd be like, oh, he gets it. Or, oh, I didn't know this was happening. You are such a catalyst for me in terms of educating myself. And I also felt this sense of comfort in knowing there's somebody else in midtown downtown sacramento who cares about like our people right so first i want to thank you for that but also social media is a huge part of that so how has social media kind of changed your landscape of creativity well i was kind of first well first i'm honored you know thank you so much for, for the kind words you know second i i understood the power of social media when i was like you know 18 years old on my, on my 18th birthday with like a real crappy phone video, you know, of me performing, got real popular on Tumblr, like I mentioned, you know, before. And it was at that moment, at like 18 years old, I realized that that the work that I'm doing is not an opportunity, it's a responsibility. And to use social media as a as responsible platform to teach, to educate, and to put a lot of other people in position. You know, for me, I was someone who was, kind of locked in my bedroom. I couldn't even go play in the front yard or backyard because of circumstances around me. So I kind of found an escape in another life through, you know, what was on the internet, through video games, through movies, through television. And I think with something like social media, it has been kind of this opportunity to where I have this diverse audience of not just Punjabi Six, but just, you know, just random people of color from all over. And thinking about like, how do I, as someone who's like, you know, not just a person of color, but as a man, a Punjabi man, talk about issues that are relevant to, you know, me externally, but also what's happening internally within me. And I feel like social media has been the best, you know, platform for me to, to share, you know, bite-sized pieces of content, you know, whether that's a caption, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, piece of, you know, film or whatever it may be. And, you know, I'm not someone who's on social media often because I feel like we need to take a break from it and, you know, understand what's happening collectively, understand the collective conscious and then operate from there. So I've kind of been using my platform these last couple of years to get people back to the center, you know, get people back away from like the game that we're playing externally and internally. Uh, let's pivot with that into authenticity. We talked about authenticity it's easy to look up to other people in the creative industry and kind of mimic them, follow them. That's how we learn. So that's okay. But at some point you stop mimicking, hopefully, <laughs> and find mm -hmm. your own voice. What does being authentic mean to you? And how was your journey to finding your voice? 
Um, I think authentic to me is 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 not a it's, it's not a destination. It's a journey because you're you know you're always finding out who you are. You know, if you're in a three year relationship with somebody and you're thirty years old, thirty years of your life is still playing into that relationship because you're rediscovering different parts of yourself. So I feel like for me, authenticity is just you know being okay with who I am and what, whether that has to be good, bad, or whatever, just being okay. And that's more than enough because a lot of people aren't okay with who they are. And I felt like my, my journey to kind of find myself has, you know, been a journey of being different parts of myself and inauthentic versions of myself without even understanding it. You know, I was code switching just to be accepted, you know, throughout various you know points in my life. When I finally met other South Asian people like myself, I had to feel like I had to be a brown version of me rather than an authentic version of me who grew up in circumstances that were different than them. You know, I felt like all those things all give you excitement and happiness, but temporarily. You know, it's not until you get older and time passes by that you realize that there's a lot more things that are not going to work for you anymore, that it's not yours to carry. So... I just had to go back to what gives me excitement rather than what gives me happy. And what gave me excitement was just being true to who I really am rather than conforming to the comfort of other people. And I feel like, especially as people of color, that's how we got to live because I feel like, you know, people are going to fear us or hate us depending on the way the world works and what happens in the world externally anyway. So it's better to kind of embrace who you really are and where you come from, you know, more than anything else. So has it been hard for you trying to break into the world of film and TV now where you're acting, right? You're, you're, and it's such a tough industry to break into. You want to be the perfect actor, you know, and fit in with the realm of what everyone expects and wants of you, but somehow bring the authentic self into that as well and your personal experiences as you're tackling a new career path. And you kind of found some authentic self in the world of poetry and events are you bringing that with you? Are you nervous about that? How, what's your process kind of joining this new realm of film and TV and being your authentic self? Yeah, it's challenging, but I need a challenge because, you know, sometimes I get too comfortable with everything else that, you know, you mentioned that I've already done before. And with acting and, you know, the screenwriting and directing that I've been doing, I've realized that I can get some of the best training and I've been getting some of the best training, but that doesn't take away from the fact that no one is thinking of someone like me. A lot of the people that are writing these stories, whether they're, you know, let's just say they are South Asian, first off, they're not Punjabi. Second off, they don't come from a lower socioeconomic community. I'm in a room full of people who come from the same background, but feel completely different, which makes me realize I got to work 10 times harder than everybody else. And that's, it sounds intense, but I love it. It excites me because I know the stakes at hand. And, you know, with poetry, I come from being in control of my narrative, you know, on stage. With acting, you're performing other people's work, but the only way it's authentic and it works is if you bring parts of yourself into the the character, into the person. And I feel like I've noticed that in a lot of rooms that I'm in, especially folks who look like me, my life experiences is 10 times more different in, in a sense, 10 times longer than other people just because of what I had to endure. And rather than feeling insecure and guilty and bad about it, I've learned to kind of lean into it. You know, before I used to feel bad and weird about where I come from and what I'm about. And especially in the world of film and TV, I can't do that. So I embrace it more than anything else. I walk into rooms talking the way I talk, acting the way I act, because I'd rather be me than go back to who I feel like I need to be for the comfort of other people. 
when you talk about community, there's so much passion. Where does that passion come from? And then who or what even inspires you to have that passion for community? Well, you know, first I got to quote Cornell West. He always says, I am who I am because somebody loved me. And I feel like, you know, aside from my family members, that's definitely been, you know, people like Estella Sanchez from Soul Collective and folks like, you know, Vajra, Patrice, Coco from Sacramento Area Youth Speaks, who saw the light in me and basically gave me the community that I was always longing for, a community that I still appreciate today, you know. And I think since they put me in the position to find my community and it's meant so much to me, I felt like incoherently they kind of trained me to see that need and, you know, light in other people and create the same thing. And since I come from so many different backgrounds, I feel like it's always been a need of mine to, to bridge all these people together that would do amazing work together, but they just don't know. And, you know, also coming from a Punjabi Sikh, you know, background, you know, community is everything. Being of service to your community and providing self-service to your community is everything. And I feel like, you know, being with my parents at the Gurdwara and staying longer than everybody else, serving everybody food before you ever eat a plate is just something that I've been, you know, kind of conditioned to be like. So, you know, it is just kind of within me to kind of be in need of everybody else before I help myself out anyway. Yeah, you and I have been talking a lot about like being Sikh and Punjabi. For our listeners who haven't heard of either of those religions, do you mind giving a little bit of background and context? Like even when we talk about Gordra and Seva and things like that. Yeah, so, you know, uh, a Sikh by definition is a student. You know, we have different various pillars in, in life. You know, one of the things is, you know, when you see some, when you see us traditionally, you might think of someone who might have like a, you know, a, a turban and a beard. And that's because we believe that hair is a gift of God and to embrace it. You know, we're, we're someone who have always been, you know, understanding that we need to stand with the oppressed rather than the oppressor. So we've always been folks who have been, even in, in current times, you know, feeding those who might we might be in war with, feeding those who we might be in battle with, because we understand that this is just an external thing, you know, that we need to figure out. And we also believe, you know, we're a feminism-based, you know, faith. We've had a lot of gurus who are, who are people, and we've understood that throughout time that, you know, we need to detach ourselves from idolizing and and having you know, people, bodies be in control. So our current like gurus, our Guru Granth Sahib Ji, which is, you know, a book, is basically this book of like just poetry and history and beautiful things. And it's at the Gurdwara, which is a, you know, a Sikh temple, which is, you know, free for everybody to come to. You know, in, in India, we make 25,000 rotis like a day. You know, we're all about just being in service of people and liberating those around us. So it's a little bit of a background of our faith. And um, we've been around for uh, 551 years, like, you know, as of recently. Thanks for that. Uh little education there. It's great to get some little insight. Supporting other people of color has always been a priority of yours in the workshops you do and the efforts you do and even in the words you say. How are you doing this and how can our listeners help you in this cause? I think, well, first, I think people should just, you know, think about how they want to show up for themselves first. And then think about the needs of those around them. And, you know, I think for someone like me, uh, I'm always going to be the one that's helping other people out anyway. So, you know, for, for someone like me, if you see what I'm doing, you know, I think just, yeah, just, just thinking of how we can work together in some type of capacity and leaning into that. You know, I think 
we're at a time so where we're figuring out where our strengths are, where we do want to show up for one another. So I feel like whether it's me or anybody else in this room or anybody listening, think about the, the needs in your community that really feel like, you know, that would excite you if it was if it was filled, uh, if a gap was filled and work towards that with your community. In any way I can be of support to anybody listening, you know, I'm always there. I'm always providing workshops and opportunities for people to kind of, you know, embrace deeper parts of themselves. When you talk about masculinity workshops, can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, so, you know, I'm someone who was always just challenging the idea of masculinity around me. You know, I would see some of the things that were being said, especially in music and like family, and it just always just didn't make sense to me. I didn't feel like I wanted to resort or limit myself to that. And I felt like, you know, as someone who was kind of conditioned and mentored by, you know, black and brown women of color, there's a lot of learning lessons that I had, you know? So I feel like for someone like me, I've been going into a lot of different community groups, whether that's, you know, Punjabi Sikh, you know, youth groups or like coalitions like Boys and Men in Color, Sons of Brother, you know, Obama's My Brother Keeper. I've been having a lot of workshops that are more so facilitated discussions of like asking people, like a room full of young men, like, what does a man look like to you? and just moderating these discussions between young people because I feel like that idea of me teaching someone, me being older than these young people and teaching them and trying to tell them what a man is, is not gonna work. I feel like I have to just kind of moderate and allow them to kind of figure it out themselves. And me just being who I am and using my writing and my, my performing as a way to kind of talk about myself, I feel like it's important as well because it allows a lot of just you know young men and women to to see an actual physical embodiment of someone who is questioning and challenging the same things that they might be without speaking on it. You have a passion for political and social justice also. So what drives you here and what can the creative community do? Yeah, so, you know, I think just the, the passion for, you know, social political matters has just come from, you know, my upbringing and my livelihood is a social political, you know, experience in itself. And, you know, I know that, you know, and I, and I feel like for if anybody really wants to, you know, support the these issues, these themes, it's, it's figured out, you know, what are the most important needs in your community that that feel like you would want to really care for and show up for and figuring out which groups are doing so and show up for them. There's a lot of people in the community who are, you know, for example, we always hear this term, especially as of recently, what defund the police means. Whether you agree with it or not, if you're someone who wants to confide in that, and you're someone who wants to figure out what that looks like, you know, talk to different community groups, you know, there are community groups that are out there that are trying to do work, that are trying to get, you know, funds from the city and go towards youth programs, but you wouldn't know that would exist unless you're in the community. So I feel like if you're someone who is attracted and appealed by particular themes and topics, figuring out which community groups are doing the work and figuring out what type of resources you can use, what type of privilege you can utilize that you have to show up, you know, for them, because, you know, we live in a world to where, you know, collectively, we're going to have to create the life that we want rather than wait for it to happen. So the next question, you don't have to stay in the social space, go over what space you want to go to, but what does the Sacramento creative community need more of? The Sacramento creative community needs more of people who are not going to limit themselves to being successful in Sacramento or limiting themselves to, I feel like for me to really be successful, everyone in my city has to ride for me or love me. 
You know, I think the people in Sacramento, especially people of color, they need a lot more resources. And we see a, a, a rising amount of, of funds and resources going to people of color towards marginalized communities. I think uh, what we need is what's already being built, which is this infrastructure of the sustainable economy for creative artists. You have a lot of creative artists that venture out of Sacramento because there's not enough opportunities here. But I feel like people who love Sacramento, they're going to create that infrastructure. And no matter where they go, where they go, they're going to always give back to Sacramento. But going back to other things that I said before, I feel like people need to build the social and financial capital with their arts and give back to Sacramento so that infrastructure can be created. So as we wrap up today's podcast, I'd love to hear what your final messages are to our listeners. And if you're up to it, would love to hear it in a spoken word format. Yeah, most definitely. We can uh, do that. So let's see. This is like a very short piece and it's a kind of embodiment of who I am and what I feel like, you know, what we're about. 10 a.m., there's a knock on the door and your parents being told they don't belong anymore. This is the life that we're living. They're rounding up the children. You try to follow up, but all the kids have gone missing. You're driving your little Civic to places you want to visit, but you want to go back home because you're feeling a little different. You can change the way you look or change the way you speak, but in the eyes of everybody, you so brown like me. My parents got it out the mud. There was never being needy. Rooted in Punjab, they were born and raised in Fiji. Came to Cali in the 90s where their life wasn't easy. They cut grass and cleaned schools just so they could feed me, but uh. Let me slow it down. Listen, my hair from the islands, my nose from the village. So I didn't know which bubble from my race I had to fill in. I was chilling with the blacks and Latinos and all the Arabs and Filipinos and everybody else I saw it equal. And we just living in the struggle, just a bunch of immigrants trying to get it with no trouble. Love it. Love it. Cool, cool. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I feel like you just summarized your whole bio in that one minute. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I try to do. That's what I try to do. Oh, that was that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for spending some time to talk with us, share with the creative community a bit of your story. It's inspirational. And I hope everyone learned something from your talk today. Pleasure is all mine. I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast would not be possible without our sponsors, Page Design Group, Position Interactive, Porter Co., and Capital Area Development Authority. Our technical producers are Johnny Flores and Kate Gonzalez. This podcast is a program of Creativity Plus and recorded from the safety of our homes in beautiful Sacramento, California. Our programming is made possible by a wonderful team of volunteers. Please be sure to rate and review the show. To learn more about Creativity Plus, please visit convenethecreatives.org. And thank you for listening to the Creativity Speaks podcast.